You're listening to the sermon audio from the Shore Church located in North Vancouver. For more information about the Shore, upcoming events, or to donate, you can head to www.theshorechurch.ca. Well, great to have you. My name is Jared. Once again, welcome to the Shore Church. Blessing, blessed to be here with you this morning. Uh, we had a great time of prayer earlier at 9.15 and want to continue that through preaching the Word of God. So uh, the Shore Church, we... We hold to the Word of God, all things written from beginning to the end, and we want to practice it as much as we can possibly, and that's what just teaching you, the kids here this morning. Again, we want to listen to the words spoken to us from the fathers to the pro- or from the from God to the fa- to the prophets to the fathers, and also now, as we see in Hebrews chapter one, we want to listen to what Jesus has now spoken uh, to us. And so, would you rise with me this morning, if if you are able, uh, rise. And as we read the word of God um, out of Hebrews chapter 3, verses 1 through 6 this morning. It's on the screen or you can follow along in your own Bibles. But it says this, Therefore, holy brothers, you who share in a heavenly calling, consider Jesus, the apostle and high priest of our confession, who was faithful to him who appointed him, just as Moses also was faithful in all God's house, For Jesus has been counted worthy of more glory than Moses, as much more glory as the builder of a house has more honor than the house itself. For every house is built by someone, but the builder of all things is God. Now Moses was faithful in all God's house as a servant to testify to the things that were to be spoken later. But Christ is faithful over God's house as a son, and we are his house, if indeed we hold fast our confidence and our boasting in our hope. This is the Word of God. Before you grab a seat, let me pray one more time, and then we'll jump into this text. Jesus, we thank you so much for your Word. We thank you that you have given it to us to to sharpen us, to challenge us, to exhort us, uh, to encourage us, uh, and it is profitable for teaching, for reproof. And and I pray, Jesus, that as we uh, walk through this text together, uh, that you will be glorified that you will be uh, set apart in your faithfulness, in your glory, over the house, and that we as the house will surrender to you with everything that we have, that we will confess and that we will receive the promises that you've left with, with us, that we might abide in you faithfully. And I pray this in Jesus' powerful name. Amen. All right, you can grab a seat. This week has been uh, a, a busy one uh, for me. It seems like every week now is like, it seems like about a month has gone by until uh, the next time I get to see you face to face here at the Shore Church. And it's, it's so fun for me uh, because most of my time throughout the week is actually spent in this amazing book that has been left for us that we might learn and glean from it. And last week, if you remember, I challenged you. I challenge you to spend some time in here to prepare your hearts to hear the Word of God. And, and I'm just curious on how you did. You don't have to answer out loud, but just in your heart, how, how, how did you do? Reading through the Word of God, studying the Word of God, encouraging yourself as you come to prepare to, to gather as the church, to worship Him in, in song, to, to remember what He has done for us. And the songs are very much for that purpose, to, to guide us into this time of worship and sitting under the authority of Scripture and to hear 
what it says to us. And, and the songs that Ryan chose for this week were super fitting. He is our rescuer. He is faithful. And he is all things glory. And he is over all things. He is, all things are subject to him. And we see that all through the book of Hebrews in the first two chapters that we covered over this uh, last couple of weeks. And, and so we want to continue to do so. We want to continue to look towards his faithfulness and his glory. And that's kind of our outline this morning. And, and if you didn't see it in the first read, I, I hope as we walk verse by verse through this text that you're going to see it pop out to you. But the outline you can see on the screen is superior. Jesus is superior in faithfulness. Jesus is superior in glory. Jesus is over the house. And Jesus is our hope. And so you can see the verses that we're going to hit in those, that why I gave those titles to those verses. But that's kind of where we're going to go this morning. So if you have your Bibles, please open it to the book of Hebrews. We've been in now uh, the book of Hebrews for multiple weeks, and we're going to be here for probably another year uh, walking through this amazing book of Scripture, uh, this letter to the Hebrew church. And and we've learned a lot uh, thus far. And so we want to jump in now and, and see what else we can learn from this amazing text. And so let's look at that first point, superior in faithfulness. It says again in verses 1 and 2, Therefore, holy brothers, you who share in a heavenly calling, consider Jesus, the apostle and high priest of our confession, who was faithful to him who appointed him, just as Moses also was faithful in all God's house. Now, before we get into the faithfulness, this, the title, Superior in His Faithfulness, before we get into the faithfulness of, of Jesus versus Moses, both of them very faithful uh, men, Jesus being fully man and fully God is what we learned about last week. Um, let's also look back for a moment at some of the keys that opened up some doors uh, in our, and big truth doors that opened up uh, for us in these last few weeks. One big truth, and we're going to hit it a little bit today, one big truth that I don't ever want you to miss is that Jesus Christ is your guarantee, is your guarantee for eternal life. Don't miss that one. That is the biggest truth that you can ever hold on to. Jesus is your guarantee for eternal life. Nothing can take that away. Remember last week, uh, we talked about Jesus came into this realm of death that he might, and you can see it on the screen, there's a big list for you, bring us to glory in verse 10 of chapter 2. He suffered for us. He sanctified us. He called us brothers. He worships over us. He defeated Satan, deliver us, delivers us from the fear of death, delivers us from eternal slavery. He comes to us. And he makes propitiation for our sins, pays the penalty that we could not pay. And he came to help us in our temptation. Jesus is our guarantee. Don't miss that truth. That is a truth that will, will guarantee your eternal salvation. Believing upon Jesus for your salvation, for your saving, for your eternal glory, is the guarantee is Jesus. No one else. It's Jesus, the man God that came to, to die for your sin, your penalty that you deserve to pay. 
that we might enter into glory. Now the second big truth in this section for today is never, uh, is never a fun one to uh, mention, but it is equally necessary. See, if Jesus is your guarantee for eternal life, then not having Jesus is your guarantee for eternal slavery. So we have two things here. We have Jesus, if he is your, 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 you've believed upon him, if you've confessed him as your Lord and Savior, you are guaranteed eternal salvation. If you choose not to believe and trust upon Jesus for your eternal salvation, you are guaranteed eternal slavery. Two things that we need to hold on to. So you remember all things are in subjection to Jesus. We saw that in verse 9 of chapter 10, or chapter 2. We saw in all of chapter 1 uh, that, that Jesus has supremacy over all prophets, all words of prophecy. He is supreme over. He, it is actually pointing to Him all the way back into Genesis. He is supreme over the cosmos, supreme over the priesthood, supreme over the angelic realm. We, see, we saw all this in chapter 1. So if we are one that ignores, and this is the beginning of chapter 2, if we are one that ignores those things, we will drift away from Christ and enter into the realm of slavery. This is what this text is saying in a nutshell, and we can't miss it. And there's more to come on this. There's more to come. If you read ahead into Hebrews chapter 3, the end of chapter 3, which we'll hit next week, is about this. Chapter 4, chapter 5, chapter 6, chapter 10, chapter 12, and chapter 13. All saying this. So we can't miss this. This is a big theme in this book of Hebrews is that Jesus is your guarantee. He is supreme. Don't miss it. And don't drift from it. This is a big truth that we need to hold on to. See, there is no middle ground. You have Jesus and you seek to follow and give your life over to Him or you don't have, or you don't and, and you just do whatever you want. You just live the way you want to live for your kingdom's sake rather than for Jesus' kingdom's sake. And we're seeing that, right? Like in our culture today, like Canada was built upon Christian values, Christian morality. Didn't mean that everybody was a Christian, but that's what the, the functional uh, world was built upon. The functional idea of the country of Canada was built upon was on the morality of Christ-likeness. And we're seeing now Christ being removed from society in all kinds of different areas. And we're seeing the destruction of it. And we're seeing this gap grow. Right? We're seeing the fact that if you believe and trust in Jesus for your eternal salvation, and if you choose not to believe in Jesus for your eternal salvation, you choose yourself to believe in whatever you believe and whatever you make up to be God outside of Scripture, then you have eternal slavery. And we're seeing this. The people are enslaved to their thought process. Right? right now we have men claiming to be women. We have women claiming to be men. And we have people teaching this in our schools right now. You're seeing the removal of Christ in society and it's widening the gap. And we should be awakened to this over and over and over again as we see what is going on in culture 
compared to the Word of God. And we're seeing this here. The lack of faithfulness to hold to God as the authority, not us. And so this is the removal. Division happens, killings, rape, abuse, anger, quarreling, because you don't get what you want. Like James chapter 2, I believe it's James chapter 2, right? This, or no, it's James chapter 4, I believe, right? The start of it. Let me double check that. Someone yell it out. Jody, you know where it is. Chapter 4, or chapter, yes, chapter 4, right at the beginning. It says, what, quarrel, what causes quarrels and what causes fights among you? Is it not this, that your passions are at war within you? You desire and do not have, so you, so you murder, you covet and cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. This is our world right now. The removal of Christ, and so whatever I'm going to do, I'm going to do it for me. And so when you remove Jesus, you get this. And this is what we're talking of here. Division, anger, quarreling, because you don't get what you want. It is what you get when you choose you over Jesus. This is what we get. So you can't have belief in Jesus. You can't half believe in Jesus. You can't be in the lukewarm area. You either have to fall deeply in love with him and follow him as Lord and Savior and King, or you just choose not to. May we hold to these truths as we move through this text and especially through the ones, and we're going to hit this over and over again as we walk through Hebrews. But let's look back now at chapter 3, verses 1 to 2. And I want to, I want to do something for us. I want, to, I want us to see in the Scripture two phrases here. It says, therefore, which is a point back to, remember from last week, therefore, the two phrases I want to point out is holy brothers and heavenly calling. Holy brothers and heavenly calling. You see that in verse 1. These are keys to, to us of who this letter is written to. Therefore, holy brothers, you have a heavenly calling. So this is written to the church. This is written to the Hebrew church more specifically. And it's, it's, a, it's an important one for us to, to look at. And what is this original audience learning and, and seeing and hearing in this letter? who is possibly struggling to remember who Jesus is and what he has done. That's why maybe chapter 1 and 2, the author is writing this letter to this church and going, man, you guys have drifted. Maybe don't drift from this. Remember where you've heard it from. Remember who Jesus is in chapter 1. See, he's written to the church 30 years since his death and resurrection and ascension. And this is an important thing to remember, an important thing to, to hold on to. This is 30 years. 30 years ago, Jesus rose from the grave and ascended into heaven after revealing himself to multiple people 40 days after his out of the grave, and then he ascended into heaven. And this church is not only to remember these things, but more specifically to not drift from them because of the suffering and temptation that is coming their way right now. This is, like I've said, this is an exhortion and really, 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 really encourage you to do these things. Letter. And if you think, how in the world can anybody forget something that happened 30 years ago, especially something like someone dying on the cross and rising from the dead. Let me remind you, because this man's getting pulled into this conversation of Moses. 
Let me remind you, in Moses' day, there was these ten plagues that brought the Israel nation out of Egypt. They were enslaved for 400 years. 400 years. And brought out by these massive, miraculous plagues that took place on the, on the Egypt. And then they walked through towards the Red Sea. And Moses lifts his hands and parts the Red Sea. And they walk through on dry ground. And then they look behind themselves on the, at the other side of the beach. And they look behind and the army of Egypt is chasing them. And God releases the water and drowns the whole of the army into the waters, destroying them all. Not 30 years later, but three days later, the people of Israel start grumbling and want to go back to the 400 years of slavery. Not 30 years, three days. And my challenge to us, and it's possibly already happened, that in our hearts we're going, there's no way I would deny Jesus. Not me. And already, pride is seeping in your hearts and it hasn't been 30 years or three days. It might have been 30 seconds. That there's no way I would do this. But when I look back on my week, did I actually live out and believe upon Jesus for all of my salvation? Or did I pick up my kingdom and on my strength and on my power do what I wanted to do? See, we can't think too deeply on these and look harshly at these people, but look at the faithfulness. This is what we need to look at, is the faithfulness of Jesus Christ. So there's a reminder of our identity before God, this holy brothers, you have a heavenly calling, is an important one. So what is this heavenly calling? What's this heavenly calling towards us? I think to the original reader and also to us is the, the therefore is important in this. What is our heavenly calling? To point back to Jesus. To be reminded of what he is and who he is and what he has done. See, it's pointing back to proclaiming Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior and to be excited about it. To not hold back, to not hold it in our heart, but to actually scatter it around to the nations around us. To point to the story of Jesus that we covered last week in this chapter 2 is vitally important. This is what our mission is, to make Jesus known. And it is not to not drift from it and wander away forgetting what we've heard. So not only are we to remember our heavenly calling, to know what our heavenly calling is, to remember our identity as holy brothers and sisters, but there's another phrase in that first verse that we need to look at and see, and that's we are to consider Jesus. So let me read it again. It says this, Therefore, holy brothers, you who share in a heavenly calling, consider Jesus. This is the main point. Consider him. Right? You're holy brothers. You've been saved by grace. Grace alone, faith alone, scripture alone, God alone, Jesus alone. Remember Jesus. Consider him and his faithfulness, his calling. See, the author is asking you to consider how Jesus lived out his calling and have you ever, <clears throat> I guess when I was studying this, and I, I thought about um, 
uh, shock radio. Have you, have you guys heard about shock radio? It was kind of like, I didn't realize how old it was. It was actually going back into the 1920s, 30s. Uh, the shock radio started up, but it, the, when I was reading through this text, this is what kind of my mind went to, of this shock radio idea. And it actually got popular in the kind of the 1990s. And you can probably name a couple. I'm not, not going to give them any uh, pulpit time, but I'm not going to name their names. But shock radio came, became really popular. And then there was something moved away from radio, and it actually became on TV. And it was this show called Fear Factor. You remember this show? Fear Factor, people would climb into these fish tanks and then get snakes dumped on them and spiders or whatever. It was just gross or fearful. And this show actually played on the shock of fear, this emotion of fear that we would have all as humans. And not only being a participant in this show, but watching the show caused goosebumps caused people to turn away from watching it, but they couldn't not turn it on and watch this show because of the shock factor drew people in. This is what the author is doing here in Hebrews. There is a massive shock factor, and I'm not sure we totally understand the bigness of this shock in us, but I'm sharing all this because our text in Hebrews would have been a huge shock to the original reader. To say that Moses was lesser than Jesus would have put chills down the spines of those in this little church community. Chills down the spines. Let me show you again in the text, verses 1 and 2. It says, Therefore, holy brothers, you who share in a heavenly calling, consider Jesus. Look to Jesus, the apostle and high priest of our confession, who was faithful to God, who appointed him, Jesus, just as Moses was also was faithful in all God's house. See, it looks like a subtle difference in the year 2023, but in 60 AD, this would have been huge. This would have been huge. They would have been saying things like, you are going to compare Jesus to Moses? Like the one who was called at birth, drawn out of the Nile out of a basket, saw the burning bush, called to free the people of God out of slavery, the one who led people through the parted sea, witnessed God on the top of the mountain, carve out with his finger the Ten Commandments on tablets. This man came off Mount Sinai, glowing because of the presence of God, spoke to God in person, not by dreams or visions, but like man to man. Like in Numbers chapter 12, verses 6 to 8, this is uh, just give you a really quick snapshot of what's going on in here. There is grumbling going on about Moses leading the people out of slavery. And specifically his sister and his brother uh, grumbling and other people also grumbling against how come I don't get to talk to, to, to God the way Moses does. And this is God's response. He says, bring everybody in here and I want to talk to them. And he says this in Numbers 12. And he, God, said, hear my words. If there is a prophet among you, I, the Lord, make myself known to him in a vision. I speak with him in a dream. Not so with my servant Moses. He is faithful in all my house. With him I speak mouth to mouth, clearly and not in riddles. And he beholds the form of the Lord. Why then were you not afraid to speak against my servant Moses? See, if that wasn't enough, the author of Hebrew used the very language the people would have proclaimed Moses to be. See, the people would have called Moses the apostle. The apostle simply means sent one. They called Moses the sent one. They also would have called him high priest 
in many ways. He mediated multiple times between man and God. He was the mediator. He was the one entering to the temple. And so the reader of this letter would possibly have chills down their spines reading this because the author of this letter is doing what God has commanded them not to do. Not to speak against their servant Moses. See, I'm not sure how we in the 21st century can fully grasp the faithfulness of Moses, but what we need to see on this side of the cross is that when you compare Moses to Jesus, Moses doesn't stand a chance. Nor would he want the comparison. Because Moses, in the writings of his words in the first five books of the Bible, all point to Jesus, a coming Savior. See, Moses was a faithful servant. But like you and I, he fell short. He fell short. He had sin in his life. Jesus, on the other hand, was given a task and performed it with superior faithfulness. Like we saw last week, Jesus wasn't merely man, but He is fully God. Jesus didn't reflect God's radiance as Moses did coming off the mountain, but was the exact imprint of God. Jesus was not merely a servant, but a son, perfectly equal to God the Father. Jesus wasn't a creation, but the creator. Jesus isn't the sent one, the apostle, that would be the only one worthy to fulfill the task given him. Jesus is the sent one. And we see this in Revelation 4. He's the one that opens the scroll. He's the only one worthy. See, this makes Jesus' faithfulness superior to that of Moses. And this is verse 1 and 2 that we need to see it. Jesus' faithfulness is incredibly important to consider. Now let's look at verses 3 and 4. And the author goes even further on this idea that Moses is lesser, Jesus is greater. In the first line it says, For Jesus has been counted worthy of more glory than Moses, as much more glory as the builder of a house has more honor than the house itself. For every house is built by someone, but the builder of all things is God. See, the author in these verses doesn't hold back. He makes it clear now at this point that Jesus is superior in his faithfulness and superior in his glory. He's the better Moses. So remember I mentioned also a few weeks back in our sermon series, uh, I talked about this idea of Hebrew writing. So the author of this is a Hebrew, writing to Hebrews, uh, and he uses this this writing way of uh, lesser and greater. It was a Calval-Homer. Is, was, was the wording uh, of the Hebrew writing uh, usage of it anyways. And it means light and heavy. And so if, this, if the word is light and true in the, in the lesser way, it's also true in the heavier way, the greater way. And this is, again, an example of that here in this text. Uh, this is a, um, it's not that Moses failed miserably. He is actually called faithful in this text. He has fulfilled his call. Moses just happens to be the lesser and Jesus is the greater. And we see that in the text here that Moses is the building and Jesus is the, the, the builder, right? He's the greater than Moses in this. And the author is making a, a really big point here and trying to make it super clear by using even this analogy of builder of a house. And the builder being, like I said, Jesus and the house being Moses. 
There's also something very subtle here that I want to make sure that we all see. As I was reading through this, and I've, I've highlighted a couple verses here or a couple things. You can see it on the screen there to really give it away completely so you don't miss it. It says, For Jesus has been counted worthy of more glory than Moses, as much more glory as the builder, that's Jesus, of a house, has more honor than the house itself, that's Moses. For every house is built by someone. And this line here breaks out of the analogy and comes back to what is being said all through chapter 1 and chapter 2. And here again in chapter 3. The builder of all things is God. This breaks, uh, makes a difference between Christianity and all other religions. It proclaims Jesus is God. And let me show you, I've got a huge table. You can snapshot it with your phone. But it's Hebrews, it's just over and over of Jesus is God. Hebrews 1, 2, and 3. Jesus is the Son of God, created the world. Radiance of God's glory is the exact imprint of His nature and upholds the universe. Verse 5, Jesus is the Son. Verse 6, Jesus is to be worshipped. No other thing is to be worshipped other than God. Like even in the Ten Commandments, we see this. So then we have the triune God here present in Hebrews. Verse 8, forever throned in the heavens. Verse 10, He is the Creator. Verse 11, He's immutable. He's unchanged. He never changes. Verse 12, He's eternal. Verse 13, all things under His authority. 2 verse 9, all things in subjection to Jesus. Verse 10, Creator, salvation, provider through suffering. 11 through 13, He's the sanctifier, identifier, worship leader. 14, 15, 17, conqueror, deliverer, mediator, pays the penalty for us. Verse 16, He comes for us. In verse 18, He helps us in our temptation. This is Jesus. He is our God. He is our guarantee. He is, His glory is unmatched. And so what the author is doing here is trying to help the listeners to this letter to show that Jesus is supreme. He's supreme over all things. All things are subject to Him. Even this great prophet, Moses. So we have Jesus' superior faithfulness and now Jesus' superior glory. Number three, superior over the house. Now, in verse 5 and 6, let me read it. Now Moses was faithful in all God's house as a servant to testify to the things that were to be spoken later, but Christ is faithful over God's house as a son. I emphasized a few words there. I couldn't remember if I highlighted them or not. But I want you to see a few words there. The word in and the word over. There's a difference there. And we can't miss it. We can't miss it. We shouldn't miss it. And I want to highlight it for us as a church body. See, to be in the house of God is our purpose as believers in Jesus. And Moses was no different. We are the house. We're also to be in the house. Moses was set up to do ministry, to be faithful in all of God's house, to be serving the people of God. And we have the same calling. We are servants, ministers to all those within the house of God, which is the church. See, his task was to set up, the, in, even in Moses, if you read through his life, his task was to set up the exact replication of the throne room of God, the Holy of Holies. It, but it was just a shadow. It was a shadow of what is in heaven. 
God gave him instructions in the, in the books uh, at the beginning of our Bibles, instructions on how this is to be set up. And if you're reading through your Bible, you're come, you'll come to this and you'll be like, what in the world is all this? A bunch of measurements. It seems weird. How is this going to be helpful? It's actually, you're seeing the, the glory of heaven when you read through that. You're reading through the dimensions of the Holy of Holies, the courtroom of God, the throne room of God, and it's beautiful. And God is giving instruction to Moses, I want you to replicate this. It's just going to be a shadow of what is to come. It's a beautiful imagery. And, and Moses was, was setting this up so that we might have a place here on, in this realm to worship the Creator God. And Jesus says, I'm coming back and my kingdom here on this earth and so there's no not going to be any more shadow but it's going to actually be perfected here and so this is the holy of holies that moses was tasked with but it was was merely a replication of the real thing like i said a shadow of what is to come and moses was that prophet that proclaimer that that one that was set apart to to help in the church a servant of god to manage god's house and to manage it well to proclaim the things that god had spoken to him a mediator of sorts. But Jesus' calling is superior to that of Moses because he was over the house, over all things, the entirety of the house of God. In fact, as we already read, Jesus was the builder and the architect of it. We are mere servants of Jesus. And that's a good place to be. Holy brothers with a heavenly calling. Again, Moses was faithful, but Jesus was superior in his faithfulness. Moses held glory amongst the people of God, but his glory was a reflection of God's glory. Jesus was superior in his glory because it was his own glory that was coming off of him. Lastly, Moses was faithful in God's house, serving the people, while Jesus was faithful over the house, not only serving the people, but was the rightful creator of the house as well as the only sacrifice to save the house. Jesus is the builder. Moses was the house and served within it. I think it's clear in this text that we see the beauty, the beauty of the faithfulness of Jesus, the glory of Jesus, and now the oversight of Jesus within his church. He is superior. So I guess number four here is what is our hope? What is our hope? What is the practical way that we now live knowing these things, that Jesus has full supremacy over all things, even the church? And he set up the church to proclaim him, to have a heavenly calling to proclaim Jesus, to be missionaries in our families, in our workplaces, in the places we rub shoulders with, to proclaim Jesus Christ. He's the one that we want to proclaim, not us. So what is our hope? Well, I think it is very clear by now we are not to put our hope in man, no matter who he is, but we are to rest our hope in Jesus alone. So let's look at that last verse. The end of it, anyways, verse 6, starting with the end. And we are his house. We are his house. Now we're going away from Moses for a moment. We're going away from Jesus for a moment. This is now the exhortation to the church. This letter, again, is a reminder, is an exhortation to this local church community. So let's read it that way. And we are his house. If indeed we hold fast our confidence and our boasting in our hope. 
Now, before we move on, do you remember the big truths I started with? Important. I wanted to make sure I nailed that home. The big truth that Jesus is your guarantee. He is the only way to life eternally. He's the only way. See, if we believe and confess Jesus is our Lord and Savior, our salvation is guaranteed. But upon first read of this text, you might read it as works-based righteousness. Meaning your salvation now depends on what you do. See, if you go back into the text, it says, and we are His house, if indeed. I've got a green square around that. What in the world? Does this mean that I have to work for it? If indeed we hold fast our confidence, if indeed we hold fast our boasting and, our, and put our hope in Him, does this mean that I have to work for my salvation? Thank the Lord Almighty, no. All right? It's not what it's saying. Nor does the Bible ever say that. So what is it saying? Well, works for the Lord have nothing to do with salvation, but they do have everything to do with your faith and confession. What this is, is talking about a theological term known as perseverance of the saints. Or in another way of saying it, you've most likely heard, heard it before in church circles, once saved, always saved. And here at the Shore Church, we believe that. We believe that 100%. That you cannot lose your salvation. So what is this verse talking about then? It's talking about the person that you know that mechanically at some retreat or in some church gathering or in some Bible study or even in the privacy of their home has confessed Jesus as their Savior and has not changed towards Him. It's talking about that person. It's talking about the person that has not changed. See, when I confess something, let me put it to you in just practical language. I love pizza. But if I never eat pizza, would you then go, I don't know if Jared loves pizza? You'd probably ask that question. If I say, I love biking, but I never bike. Or if I say, I love cookies and pie. These are all things I love, by the way. Uh, then, and I never eat those things. You would go, you'd question my confession. That's what this is talking about. It's not the mechanical confession. It's not some emotional experience. It is, I believe with all of my heart, all of my mind, all of my strength, all of my soul, that Jesus Christ is my Lord and Savior. And based on that confession, I'm going to show you. I'm going to quit my job. I'm going to go serve the church full time. I invite you to do it with me. I invite you to... And you see this over and over in the Scripture. When someone falls deeply in love with Jesus, miraculous transformation takes place, and you cannot stop reading this. And it may not happen like day one. 
That's the road of sanctification, to becoming more like Him. God will change you and you'll start noticing these things. This is what this verse is talking about. See, we believe that our works for Jesus are an outflow of what you confess to be true. Have nothing to do with salvation. It's an outflow. This is, the, this is the visual I try and give to people because sometimes the words just don't do it enough. But when you confess Jesus as your true salvation, you will naturally begin to work outwardly based on that confession. It's an outflow of what's taken place in your heart. You can't hold it back anymore. This is what, again, this verse is talking about. So don't get confused by this. We're going to hear it over and over and over again in this, in this little letter. In John 5, verse 24, it says this, just to nail home the salvation is a guarantee. It says, this is Jesus speaking. He says, truly, truly, I say to you, whoever hears my word and believes depth in my heart, believes him, God the Father, who sent me, Jesus, has eternal life, He does not come into judgment anymore, but has passed from death to life. Such a sweet verse. Such a sweet verse. We're called now to now go and follow this confession. But hear me on this. Your faith and confession of Jesus will be shown by your works. Your confession will be shown by your works. In our text, your faith will be shown by your perseverance in confidence. You can see it there. If indeed we hold fast, in your Bibles you can circle the word our, our, our. If indeed we hold fast our confidence. If indeed we hold fast our boasting. If indeed we hold fast in our hope. All in Jesus. Perseverance, I love this line, perseverance doesn't save you. Okay? You can even write this down. It's not that long. Perseverance doesn't save you. Saved people persevere. Perseverance doesn't save you. Your works have nothing to do with your salvation. But saved people persevere. Does it make sense? We can't move on past this because some people, you just get locked into this stuff. You mean, if, when I confessed or back when I was six years old and nothing really has changed and maybe I'm finding myself back, to, back into church now in my 40s and I'm seeking Jesus, I'm seeking Him, then maybe, just maybe, some seed has been implanted there when you were six and now you're seeking Him. Now, now it's, you're showing salvation. But you flip that and at six and then maybe I've walked, started walking away from the church. I don't really need to be a part of that anymore. I, I kind of do my own thing. Or Then we're in trouble when we get to Hebrews chapter 10. We're getting in trouble when we get... Th- more into this letter. Remember, it's an exhortation to the church. If indeed we hold fast to our confidence, hold fast to our boasting in Jesus, and hold fast in our hope in Jesus Christ, that's when we know 
that we're persevering for him, for his glory, for his kingdom. It's all about him. James 2.18 says, I will show you my faith by my works. So we see this. We see it everywhere in the scripture, and we're going to see it all kinds of places here in the text of Hebrews. But we know we are in Jesus' house. If we have confidence in Jesus, do you have confidence in him? If we boast in him, as my, this is my Savior. If we have hope in him to save me, I believe upon his, his confession here and his covenants with me that I have hope in those. I have assurance in those that, that he is, 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 is God and that he will save me from eternal damnation. He's brought me out of judgment now into life. I have hope in this and I hope in it daily. And may that hope grow in us individually each and every day. See, Jesus' eternal promises never change. Our works of perseverance show that our faith is alive and not dead. And this is what the author is getting at. Going back to verse 1, consider Jesus, friends. Consider Jesus. Consider what? His faithfulness. This is the exhortation. Be faithful like Jesus did for you. This is the, the calling. Live like your teacher. Live like your discipler, right? Jesus is that person. Live like your creator. Live like your God. Follow him. This is what it's calling us to. Be holy as I am holy. It's constantly following, pointing back to Jesus. Put your confidence in him. Put your boasting in him. Put your hope in him. It's all about him. Always has been, always will be. So church, we are his house if indeed we hold fast our confidence and our boasting and our hope in Jesus. May this be an encouragement to you to continue to strive forward, to persevere through the hard trials that we face day to day. May it be all about him. Let's pray. Jesus, uh, we thank you. We thank you for these challenges. We thank you that our confidence can be assured in you because you do not change. We thank you that we can hold fast in our boasting, that we can boast in you, not in ourselves, not in our works, but we can boast in your work that you came to this earth, into this realm of death to put flesh and blood on, to call us brothers, to bring us from death to life, to sanctify us into glory. All your work. Nothing that we've done. We can boast in that. So may we be a church that boasts in you, not in our works, not in the things that we've done, but everything that you've done. And Jesus, help us put our 100% faith and our hope in you, that you are our Savior, that you are our provider, that you are our comforter, that you are our Lord, that you are our King. So we revere you now in our hearts we humble ourselves before you the king of kings and lord of lords who has died on the cross for us that we might see you in glory help us serve you today and may our worship be from the depths of our heart that we would confess and believe upon you for all of our salvation And I pray this in Jesus' name.